0: Yo, what's good, everybody? Welcome to episode ten of D Godcast, the podcast by Dgens for Dgens. Today is May third. It's JB, part of your trio of hosts, along with the homies, Chapter and Slate. We have Jord's, aka at Earlyish Adopter, on Twitter with us today to talk boogles and whether or not they are actually the Illuminati of Solana. But first, Chapter, hit him with the decap.
1: Yo uh let's see uh you know been kind of busy but uh i got y'all let's see uh for the recap first the announcement of the big three acquisition quick rundown it's 12 teams each team is fractionalized in 1000 nfts two tiers 25 fire nfts for 25 a piece, 975 gold nfts each going for five bands apiece on eth giving all types of wild benefits for holders in the big three experience One difference between the two is fractionalized ownership that comes with the fire NFTs, giving 25 holders all types of special abilities, including utilization of the specific and exclusive team's IP and getting motherfucking championship rings. So check out the last Twitter space if you late, because once the news Gamma slapped the planet, big three founders Ice Cube and Jeff Quatinitz. Hit the streets with the AMA on the project details, this real shit about Fireball, and official the official project release for the Big Three this upcoming weekend and how they want to expand it after. But to paraphrase the whole acquisition, the homie Francois de Gods talked to the Divine Council and said, Hey, Big Three, after the homies unanimously agreed. Frank pulled up and said, fuck fractions, this shit free, and that we're going to need all of these fire NFTs, and we believe the move is the killer threes, because everybody know the real motherfucking Gs have always been unapologetically repping the three, but we're not talking about Chance the Rapper. Per a Yahoo Finance article written this week, 625 Gs was used to cop those 25 heat rocks, but you know we got it for the low though. Shout out to Cube and the team, and follow the 4th Man podcast on Twitter at 4th Man Pod to stay fully informed on all things verbalized about the big three and follow the killer threes on twitter pull up on cbs we got youtube tv because who has cable motherfucking merch coming chip coming rings coming and we hitting the block early today so roadmap 3.33 is out when you hear this let's fucking go
0: let's fucking go there you go. Early start time. Three for a little bit of a loop there, but you
1: powered yeah, through facts. it. There it I is. Did I did ask, just fucking woke up. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, bro. Web3 was pretty lines.
0: hard once you minus. got through it, though. Oh, yeah. bars. All right. So, like I said, uh, we got George from Google Mafia here. Uh, it is a pleasure to have you, sir. And congrats on the second to last Google op- auction, first and foremost.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you uh, so much for having me. It's been. A pretty wild journey. It was good to see the last auction kind of going pretty crazy. Um, yeah, good to yeah. be here.
0: Slightly well, some would say. Boogle number 99 for 2000.42 soul, I believe. Uh, you know, chump change, pocket change for the Boogle fam. Uh, Is that considered for those... free
3: for Boogles?
2: <laughs> Not, nah, I think I, no. uh... I, I do not endorse doing uh, free under underneath any Google sale. <laughs>
0: not even for the memes, all right. Uh for for reference and to uh really talk free Google number 3 sold for 2 soul 8 months ago. So, quick 1000x uh, to the buyer, congrats. Um do you know on that note if any of those early winners have sold and taken the 1000x? <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's actually been pretty insane to see um, kind of the, the diamond fisting of the early buyers. Um, you know, this was August in Solana when there wasn't a, he- a whole heap of things around, you know, there was Soulpunks and Solarians were kind of around, but um, at that point, Solarians still had a bit of interest, but the Monkeys had minted or the Gen 2 had minted maybe two weeks before our first auction, and um, I think the D-Gen Apes just had their mint a couple of days before that first auction, so there really wasn't, um, you know, much of a lay of the land when it came to who was, um, you know, who was in and around and willing to spend or, like, who would be capable of holding a 1,000x. Uh, yeah, and this is when Soul was much. maybe, like... Yeah, and this was when Seoul was maybe, like, $65, $70 as well. So, I mean, it's just about back there now, but it's uh, it relevant in the point. Um, and, yeah, like, we've actually had, out of those first maybe 10 buyers. I I reckon maybe 7 or 8 are still holding. Um wow. which is pretty insane and I I I mean I invest um differently to that. Like I I'm not the guy who holds a google from 1 sold to 2000 <laughs> and I'm not the guy who <laughs> who mint a board ape and or has it. Um but you know, you've got to give credit where when it's due with with people yeah. who hold assets like that and just don't sell it. Um Dude
0: Fuck diamond crazy. hands. That's diamond balls, diamond cock, <laughs> diamond everything. Jeez, um, yeah. So when you catch uh, somebody out there on Twitter talking, oh SMB and DAA's are the OGs. Don't forget to throw the boogles in there. Or you're gonna catch these graveyard hands.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so all right, before we uh, before we really dive into boogles and all that, uh, could you just take a second to introduce yourselves? For some of our listeners that are maybe stuck in the D-Gods echo chamber and might not know who you are, uh, and maybe tell us a little bit about how you got into crypto and NFTs while you're at it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So um, go by George's or the, the handle on my Twitter is Um I am most known for being kind of part of the Google team um, and really kind of driving that from August. Um, and then how I kind of first got into crypto is a little bit of a journey like i haven't um been into crypto for a whole heap of time compared to some of the other people but um you know on solana people (laughs) call me an og because you know we're had a fan i had a phantom and a um if if some people remember that uh but yeah so i I got into crypto my first purchase um was off the back of the COVID year in 2020. Uh, my i was working like a corporate role and with the, the COVID side of things, obviously, it kind of all went um, tits up. <laughs> so we had like a thing in Australia where um, if you were stood down from your role, um, you could get you could get like a little bit a week basically to make sure that you were okay to go about your life and, and like kind of wait around until the job was able to be returned to. Um, and then I... Also, had so I was kind of on that, had a bit of time to spend with family and friends, which is awesome. Um, but the other thing that the Australian government did was let you access your like 401k, um, or in Australia, we call it superannuation. Um, nice. And if you were affected by, by COVID, kind of um, dropping out the, like, you know, if you were stood down as a result. Um, so basically, what I did is I, I looked at my super and I realized that the last like, uh, this is in, like maybe June of 2020. And my super had returned me like negative one point five percent on a twelve month <laughs> turnaround. Um, Love to hear it in a market that was just up like forty percent or something in the last few months. So I, uh, I initially thought you know I could I could take that money out, um, put it in an index fund, and you know outperform uh, my super, but also have it in like a more liquid way where I could you know buy a house or whatever it might have been, um, mm-hmm. or use that in something else that was more interesting than it just sitting there because we can't really touch it to where 65 or 70 or whenever the government Mm. lets us get there, when we get there. Um, And we get there. Yeah, exactly. And then, so basically like long story short, that led me um, down a a rabbit hole of uh, like degening penny gold stocks on the Australian stock market um, and becoming more and more risk on. And, you know, you, you watch enough YouTube videos and someone will eventually mention Ethereum or Bitcoin. Um, so then I kind of got stuck into that rabbit hole in the end of, oh, well, I think it was maybe August, uh, probably around, yeah, probably August, uh, 2020 was my first purchase, which was ETH. Um, and I kind of did the, I have a pretty consistent theme with when I need to get into something, I have to like oversubscribe to it to force myself (laughs) to actually learn about it. Um, yeah. (laughs) So this this crypto thing um was kind of swirling around my head for so long and I was like all right I've just got to I've got to buy some and then I can actually understand um then it'll force me to understand you know what the fuck it's about and uh that's kind of how I did it and then um yeah I managed to ride ride the top ride the lows and found NFTs along the way Nice
0: Good for you man cuz I just buy shit and then like forget about it <laughs> <laughs> Buying something does not mean I'm necessarily going to learn about it. I'll tell you that for sure. (laughs) Um, All right. So uh, ETH first, about a year before Boogles. Was Boogle your first, like, how did you go from ETH to Solana? ETH and Bitcoin, you said, were like the first kind of cryptos that you figured out about. And then uh, how did Solana come up? How did you make that transition, I guess?
2: Yeah, so I think like everyone has a similar journey when they get into crypto. They get, you know, the gateway is um uh, Bitcoin or ETH, and then you start looking for, you know, all right, I've got ten thousand dollars, I need to make I need to make a million dollars next week. Like you start um <laughs> looking for what else is there and then that kind of leads most people down just get burning their capital through leverage trading, which I certainly did uh a fair share of. Um but yeah, so like I, I was what what really happened was I heard about Solana um, and I knew about SBF and I'd I'd like um, kind of been in and around that for a while, but didn't really have the capital to deploy. And at the time, I was a bit of a link marine, um, which thank God I cut that eventually. Um, But what happened was I essentially I knew about Solana and I bought it at about I think maybe twelve dollars or something, and I sold it at eighteen dollars, and I felt really really good about myself. That was (laughs) great trade, so happy. And then it just Flew up to, you know, I think the highs of of May was maybe $67 or something like that. And I basically said to myself, if I can ever buy Solana under $30 again, I'm going to just buy it with as much as I can. Because at the time, I think I did a few different trades on the way up to Solana. I think I bought it maybe 12, sold it 18, like bought it 20, sold it 22, just these micro trades that um, really (laughs) wasn't the right thing to do. Um, and then what happened is, is fortunately in May, um, I just, you know, watched 60% of my net worth evaporate, but I, um, I was very active with like reallocating because I really didn't like the state of my portfolio. I had, you know, I had some ETH, I had some Bitcoin, but then I had like a chunk of link. I had some other just dog shit that really was not good. And I just basically gutted my portfolio and said, um, I'm going to keep like this much ETH and then I'm just going to put everything else into Solana and FTT. Um, and that was, you know, around the, like, we had a fair, fair while to buy the bottom. Um, and I just kind of like DCA the whole bag into soul. Um, mm-hmm. and then I, I minted some soul punks, which is like, I mean, we say minted, but if, if you guys are around <laughs> there, you just, you just had to like send soul to an address. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, that was kind of like the journey, um to to buying soul uh and i had a few soul punks and kind of messed around with it but i didn't really have too much uh like i mean there wasn't really much to look out in the nft side of, of soul but that kind of coincides when i got really into eth nfts as well because mm-hmm. i just i didn't want to look at charts like i i had i had my money in in crypto and i was like cool i'm just gonna hold this to zero from here like or i'm going to um you know ride it up because i was i was pretty comfy with where we were like i think my my last buy on ETH, I was at a bachelor party and um, like a bucks party. And it was like at the very bottom and I had had a few beers and I just remember going, fuck it. I'm just going to like, I'm going to put the rest of my account in ETH right now. And then I'm just like going to turn my phone off and enjoy the rest of the night. Um, And that was it. Like, I think it might've even been in the 1700s or like the low 18s. Um, But yeah, like, and then, from there i i like deployed the capital i wanted to deploy into the things that i wanted to go into and then i was like All right, fuck it like i need to have something else to look at that's not charts but i want to stay active and i want to make sure i'm still like learning this stuff because i'd only just come in august so i had i just felt like i'd had so much to catch up on and on my understanding of like this whole space i knew how much opportunity there was because you know every day new people are printing crazy amounts of money um and I knew I wasn't going to make it via leverage trading because I'd already burnt a bunch of money there. <laughs> so I uh, I think I naturally, um, and like, I think I, I used to be kind of in the, the sneaker scene a bit. So um, the NFT side of things just really attracted me. And I think I could, I could grasp it pretty quickly.
0: Okay. Uh, real quick, because I'm always curious what it is that makes people uh, go, I'm just going to dump all this bullshit that I have and put it all into something that I believe in. What? was the trigger for you to do that with soul? Cause it sounds like somewhat of a conviction play.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean like the, it was two parts of it. Cause one, I, I came to the realization and I don't, it's not financial advice. I don't know. I'm just going to um, do a oh, high yeah, level. Nothing is ever on this show. <laughs> trust. Oh, yeah. Entertainment purpose only. Um, I in my own brain decided that link was no longer going to be a productive asset in my portfolio. Um, and then (laughs) and I wanted to um, and then I wanted to reallocate that to something that I liked I'd had the experience of sitting on the sidelines of the previous soul run after owning it and I just like yeah I just had that thing in my brain like it it really wasn't a like 200 IQ play of um, you know researching it understanding that like the L1 play is going to be the next uh, you know the big next big run up it was very much a 50 IQ play of i had bought this before and i regretted selling it and now i have an opportunity to buy what i believe to be the bottom of the market so i'm just going to pick what i think is going to run the hardest um and it was just a bet on like spf fdt like soul was actually like something that was really interesting it had this massive run it looked the strongest like i'm a really big fan of buying whatever looks the strongest in weakness um like when you see Mm -hmm like a 1% market bounce and one coin is up like 10% and then it goes down less than the others. Like I usually try and load up on that before the next actual run because that's how I usually um, invest. And yeah, I just 50 IQ'd it. I was like, I want to I wanna buy a bunch of FTT and a bunch of soul and that's going to be a fair whack on my portfolio. Um, and yeah, like it, it worked out.
3: Nice. Yeah, well, I'm like 40 IQ then, if you're 50 IQ in it, because I was an XRP warrior to start. Then I was a Link Marine. Ooh. And then I started buying Soul at like $240. So I'm just in the fucking trenches over here still. But uh, so, somehow yeah. still up because of D-Gods and the NFTs, to be honest. Breach. So you're chilling.
2: Yeah, Nice.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I fully could not just trade coins. I'm not a chart guy at all. I uh, I read some of these uh, like TA threads on, on Twitter, and I'm just like, I mean, all I see is the arrow that goes up. So like word, but I don't know what
1: any of the words mean. Yeah. Word. Same. I be like, oh, red, green. and be like, oh, is it red? Okay, cool. Bye. Like,
0: bro, I didn't, I like didn't even know what a candle was for the longest time. And I was scared to ask because everybody just kept talking about candles. And I was like, what the
1: fuck are we? What do you mean, bro? It'd be like moving average. I'd be like, what? Like math. Like, what are um,
0: yeah. All right. So on to boogles, because like you said, you know, that's kind of what you're, most well-known for and probably what is you know attributed to a lot of your financial success maybe uh first off what what is your role in boogle
2: yeah perfect so um the roles are pretty much just kind of like co-founder uh we all wear a fair amount of hats like we all um i mean not that there's a massive team or anything but yeah like my my main focus with the boogle uh with what i would define my role as is, is probably partnerships, um, branding, marketing, community management. I mean, like there's a, there's a fair few heads to wear, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, like my, my role would be co founder as, as a high level. Okay.
0: So what was the uh, like founding origin of Google's? What was the original concept that you and your other co-founders, you know, decided to make into a project?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's actually interesting. Cause like, um, we kind of decided on the co-founder roles just based off the, you know, every, the startup meme that anyone can kind of be a co-founder, even if they weren't actually there for the founding of it. Um, cause <laughs> yeah. yeah, like what, what a lot of people don't really realize is, um, myself, uh, I, I wasn't actually part of like the planning and everything of like the character, it, basically the, how the story goes is that, um, I was obviously into soul and I was into NFTs and I was just kind of scrolling around figuring out my my way after all the monkey uh, well not after that was before um but i came across uh the google account and i had maybe 200 followers or something like that but the the character and the name um really resonated with me i just thought it was really cool and really different um the only things i'd seen auctioned on solana uh was the gen one sets of, of the smbs mm-hmm. so I'd really not seen like anyone use the Metaplex con- contract, or like it was, um, it was just really interesting. So what happened was I I reached out with my, you know, my mighty I don't know 1,700 followers or whatever it might have been at the time, um, <laughs> and I, I basically said like, you know, this is this is awesome. Like, how can I, uh, like how can I get one? Um, and I was just like really really into the concept of owning one of these things, um, and then based on the response it was just uh it was kind of apparent that um maybe i could help out a little bit or maybe there was a bit of a gap in like the the planning and the um communication side of things so what actually happened was um swaggy who's the artist behind the the gen one boogles um and the creator of the um you know the the boogle ip really um Mm -hmm. we got to talking and we kind of came to like a discord handshake agreement as to how I could maybe help out because, um, English wasn't his like first language. So, and I'd come from like my, uh, like IRL experience was in that kind of marketing and partnership side of things. So, um, yeah, like we just kind of came to an agreement and like at the time I was working a, a day job and it was just a way to, um, have a, like a bit more of a footprint in something that I was really, really passionate about. Um, and just, eat. I was always kind of looking for how I could be involved more than just kind of like buying and selling and um, mm-hmm. just try and get like a little bit uh, more involvement in the ecosystem, even if it was like not paid or anything, I just wanted to be like a little bit more present. I wanted to contribute some stuff. Um, and yeah, that was just like a, out of kind of pure sheer luck that um, we got to talking and, and everything like that. But that that's like the origin story of Google was um, like this, this dude with the, you know, a character that he drew and um came up with the name and then we re-restructured you know the release structure and um and everything like i kind of uh yeah like we just changed up how it would be released total numbers and all those kind of things but the origin yeah. story is probably different than a lot of people know
0: yeah i mean i don't think anyone knows the origin story really but guess <laughs> yeah. um what on that note like what was the original goal, would you say? Was it just to like sell these sweet pixel ghosts? Or was there any kind of like not utility, but you know what I mean? Like end mm-hmm. goal behind it or
2: No, well that was the thing. So like we um, you know, I, I partnered with um Swaggy and we had the first auction, like the first ten Boogles were done. Um and we had the first auction of I think it was maybe I think the first auction was 10. Um and, you know, that was the, the format. It was initially going to be a bit like a lower number, but I thought 100 was pretty clean. Like there's been um, a lot of project, well, not a lot of projects, but a lot of things done where it's like nice round numbers is, is always good. Mm. Um, and yeah, the the plan from there was planning. <laughs> like there, there wasn't really um, an initial concept as to exactly uh, what it would lead to and, and certainly not to where it is now. Um, but the plan was to you know, make these cool ghosts, uh, get people to to love them and hopefully get hopefully become, you know, one of the projects that people were interested in. Because at the time there was just there wasn't really anything in, in that massive gap. Like there was um you know, 10k D Gen apes, there was five uh, K SMBs, ten K Solarians that weren't minted out yet, um mm-hmm. 10k punks, and then um, you know, maybe if you want to include like Apes Should Social or something, but there really wasn't like anything that was like low cap or boutique or scarce, or um, I mean, relative scale, they're all boutique scarce, but um, yeah, there just wasn't really anything that was a little bit more, uh, just like a lower supply and, and a little bit more intimate when it came to the community. Um, mm-hmm. So we just, I just wanted to fill that gap and, and see if people cared for it really. Like it could have been a failed experiment. It could have been, uh, you know, started it and no one like maybe I'm just a weird guy who really liked the ghost and no one else cared like (laughs) it it could have gone very differently but um for whatever reason I think other people uh understood that there was a gap there and um yeah like it it just kind of took on its a world of its own and one thing that's always been uh like core to the success is us staying very flexible uh with what like what the rollout process is and everything in between like I think if we were to have Launch with a rigorous roadmap and, and, you know, had everything outlined from day one, um, Mm -hmm. given, given how much the ecosystem has changed over the last six months, you know, six days, you know, it it always changes. Um, that's, that's allowed us to be a lot more savvy with how, uh, how it's got and, and how, how far it's come. Um, yeah, the, the original plan was like release some cool ghosts, hope people like it, um, and, and try and build something special, but, it, it certainly wasn't, um, you know, it, it wasn't started with the idea of of taking over or, or doing anything um, mm-hmm. crazy really.
0: So looking back at past auctions, there's a couple, uh, I guess you would call them like big step ups in the the sales prices. Like you go from the first handful being like under 10 maybe even like closer to like five six marked and then you jump to like 20s and 30s and then you jump from there to like hundreds and hundreds of 20s and then obviously now we're at like two fucking thousand like (laughs) do you think uh were there any specific catalysts along the way that kind of helped to blow the boogle brand up a little bit or do you think it's always just kind of been the low supply tight community maybe even a little bit of like mystery to it that's been the appeal?
2: Yeah, there, there's definitely some catalysts that have happened along the way. I mean, like most projects on Soul, um, you know, we've got to be super grateful for Big Brains' involvement. Um, I think that guy basically yeah. has the whole ecosystem on his on his shoulders, and um, yeah, an, an absolute like gem. And and yeah, I, I can't mm-hmm. say enough nice or, things about that guy. Um, yeah, shout, shout out to SBB. Yeah, absolutely. And he, so he, um. He came in in our maybe our third auction I think, um, which which, oh, wow. which would have been five, five boogles. Um, and his intention was basically to sweep them all, uh, and and he ended up buying like a, a fair few. Um, but there was there was already kind of bidding strength, which was really surprising. Like at the time, um, you know, floors were to be swept and no one was really going to do anything about it, and and auctions weren't really tried and tested. Um, so there was actually like a shout out to Degen swings and backbooks, like these guys who are like kind of pillars of the ecosystem. Um, mm. They were there then and bidding what at the time would have seemed like a crazy amount for a pixelated ghost. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, Big Brain uh, picked up a, a whole heap and tweeted about it, and I think really kind of gave um, gave us a good push in the right direction. And then there's been obviously a lot of different catalysts along the way that's like um, that's pushed it. KSI um repped a bugle on his main account for a while um Mm -hmm. like soby picked one up like we've we've had a lot of things that have happened along the way um but yeah that's that's the the you know auctions are a double double double-edged sword they they allow full price discovery but they also allow to finish and and no one bids on it like it's it's Mm uh i think i've aged about 50 years since we started this stuff but (laughs) it's um yeah like there's definitely a lot of lot of people to thank um and a lot of catalysts that have happened but yeah big brain would be the first the first big push that i think happened um which will always be thankful for
1: so so there's only okay so there's only 100 boogles am i correct
2: yeah so we've got uh we've got like called gen one boogles so we're on 99 out of 100 and that's the that's the hard cap on general do
0: you have a uh custom one or because I can't find the one with the headphones yours on like the holoplex page
2: yeah so I uh I rugged myself um <laughs> mine's a <laughs> mine's an honorary um oh no <laughs> and uh Wait. the worst yeah so the worst part is it was minted as um number I think number 22 or something um and then I I went back and I was like no you know we need to um because it was minted initially as number 22 when like um I was just talking to Swaggy and we, we got it sorted and he minted it yeah. for me and then I was like no okay like we've got to burn this it can't be part of the supply so I burnt my gen 1 boogle and turned it into an honorary oh my um, god not my best financial play but I think <laughs> it was the right it was the right thing to do <laughs> that's incredible
0: um i once uh was slightly inebriated and dm'd sbb asking if i could borrow a boogle just so i could like hang out in y'all's discord he said he didn't really understand what i meant by borrow a hundred thousand dollar picture of a ghost (laughs) but do you have any extras that i could do that one day just to like come shoot
2: the shit with you guys oh i love that i love that (laughs) i think there's, there's been so many um funny interactions with uh I remember when um, Soft was trying to buy uh, and he spoke to one of the guys, actually, um, shout out Crypto Investor. Um, He he was one of the guys who bought two in the first auction. He bought one for like two soul and one for seven soul. Um, And Soft was shopping around for one that had like a kind of purple background. And he basically was just like, no, I'm not interested in selling. Like, no, (laughs) didn't hear offers, didn't do anything. And then. And then he went to Big Brain, and Big Brain said something along the lines of like, "I don't know how many I have, but I'm not selling."
0: Oh my gosh, it's (laughs) unreal, man! I love that. Yeah, Um, it's insane. So, what what would you say? And maybe there is no answer to this, but what what is the current uh, like vision or or status of Boogles? Does that make sense? Uh,
2: vision or status?
0: (laughs) Um. All right. Yeah. So those are two different things. Status would be <laughs> the uh, so status is to sell out cell uh, number of 100, the next to last auction. Um, so I guess the question that I meant was what is the like future vision slash roadmap? Uh, is there any? Are you guys going to do
1: bracelets? Like, what are you thinking?
2: Yeah. Wristbands. <laughs> R- wristbands. <laughs> sorry. Not <laughs> friendship bracelets.
1: <laughs> Fucking Zoom uh, call where everybody just high fives the screen. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, yeah so like that's absolutely kind of um, being worked on it's uh, I recorded the presentation and kind of um, had all my thoughts compiled as to what the future looks like um, and kind of sent that around to all the the big so where um, internally that's kind of been unveiled I suppose uh, but externally okay. we're probably like keeping a lid on it for the time mm-hmm. being um, we're not looking to you know, reinvent the wheel or do anything um, absolutely crazy. Um, but I think that we're going to do things in a way that's true to the brand values um, and hopefully is the, you know, the right direction for the brand to, to go in. I think that we are, um, what we've been able to achieve with only 100 pieces up until today has been um, pretty spectacular. And I think that there's a lot more for google to become and and a lot more for google to to really be um i think like the the kind of statement that we want to go with is like the end marks the beginning in a lot of ways like there's not many um projects that are where we are at um this point in time with the in regards like the community and the total holders and everything like that Mm -hmm. Um, so i'm probably gonna dodge the question a little bit um but yeah it, it is uh like actively kind of being worked on and um discussed and refined internally but you know we're, we're still it's a slow mint we're still minting like <laughs> we gotta we gotta focus on wrapping up the the gem one auctions um but yeah it's certainly it's certainly not over after after the auctions.
3: i think that really speaks kind of to like the the uh boutiqueness of the collection and how tight-knit it is that you could have that you've told all the holders what's going on but no one else uh knows what's going on. I think that's pretty cool. There's probably not many collections that you'd be able to do that with.
2: Yeah. yeah. Can you talk to yeah, Frank right. about doing that? <laughs> <laughs> Just a small dis- uh, 10,000 uh, people that keep doing that <laughs>
0: Um. So you keep saying Gen 1, which to me says there's obviously a Gen 2 planned. Is there any chance that Gen 2 is a little friendlier uh, for those of us with lighter wallets? Or are you going to stick with the you know, hundred thousand dollar PFP roadmap.
2: <laughs> uh, I think um, should we should we look to expand or anything like that? We we'll, would certainly um, be more like not that we have been you know unwelcoming or anything. Like the the auctions started, um, you know, the auctions until I think number ninety or something started at one soul. So um, we we never intended on um, pricing you know a whole heap of people out. It's just kind of the nature <laughs> of nature of the the platform um but yeah like if, if we are to um go down that route and expand then we would hope to to welcome a whole lot of new people and um it, the the core goal of Google was never to be um you know a completely unachievable asset um it was to be kind of the benevolent ghost of the ecosystem and try and contribute back wherever possible um and I think we can continue kind of reflecting those values moving forward
0: I love that yeah, I, I'm self-proclaimed not really a big pixel art guy, but I definitely get what you're saying about the the Boogle PFP just having like an allure to it. So even if I could get uh oh, I'll just I'll go buy a little Boogle, duh. Forgot <laughs> those exist. <laughs> what what are your thoughts on that? I remember Boogle Deriv season. Uh I made a couple <laughs> bucks flipping some of those. Um and and honestly, I got rated in Discord uh in the project I launched recently. Buy little boogles, and it was <laughs> fucking insane. I had no idea that these guys were still around. So, like, many shout out to them. But what are your thoughts on the whole Google deriv thing?
2: Yeah, it was an interesting one to navigate, um and like, so it was it was interesting because we had so much time to prepare because like we knew it was coming. At some point, someone was going to do it, but I think the Google um, IP kind of got away with it for longer than like thugs and SMBs and stuff because there was only you know, like 50 pieces released or something. So it would take someone who wanted to monetize it like a fair, well, not a lot of effort, but a reasonable amount of effort to actually like build out different attributes and like have more than just like same attribute, but like smaller. Um. So we kind of like didn't have to deal with it for a while, but I knew it was coming. Like it was, it was progressively more obvious that there was going to be derivatives coming out. Um. And yeah, it was weird. It was, it was strange to deal with. Like, I think the, the main issue with derivatives from like a founder point of view or from like a team point of view is that you don't want people making the mistake that it's your own brand and then um, having no control with how they're treated or what, what the financial outcome is. And you also don't want to have, um, yeah, you just, you just don't want people losing money. Like uh, the the fact of the matter is a lot of the derivative projects are intended to be rugs, hard or soft. They, they, like you go through the sea of, um, derivative projects on Magic Eden, and, you know, there's usually a 0.0 in front of it. So it's like, (laughs) you really don't like to see people losing money. And and it, it ends up usually being people who, you know, can't afford to lose that money, who are, um, really, really ready to throw a bag at it. So I don't know, like I was conflicted. Like, I think on one hand it was really, really fun and, really exciting to see so many people who wanted to be represented by a boogle and who wanted to who were priced out but wanted to like you know play a part and and really like they oh you know there was a lot of people saying oh this is the closest i'll ever be to a boogle and that kind of stuff like it was it was really fun to see people who um wanted to be a part of the boogle ecosystem couldn't afford it and they went to um different options that were available but it was also really sad to see a a bunch of people lose money um because you know you could see some of those things that were at certain prices and it was just very, you know, you could be pretty sure that there was going to be worth less in a pretty short period of time. So it was conflicting. Like it was, it was different. Um, but you know, part of the journey.
1: (laughs) Yo, I got a question. So, all right. For, for boogles, right. Or boogle like, so, it comes from, like, or it's, like, a play on, like, fucking, like, Casper, I guess. And then also, uh, like, is it Boggle? I don't know if I'm saying this right, bro. I'm just, like, going off of, like, certain things that I've read. So I've seen, like, you know, like, some Twitter threads and things like that, you know, just talking about, like, let's say, uh, like, the history around, like, let's just say a Boggle boogle. Um, and uh, by definition, so Boggle is let me see if I get this right. It's like a Scottish word. And it's, uh, it means like ghost.
2: Um, yeah. So um, I I can't like, I can't talk to exactly the creation, like, uh, as I said, sure. with the, with the, um with the kind of format of how it worked out was like the character was created, and then the law was kind of created after. Um, okay, which, which, Yes, yeah, so the law was done by me. And I thought this is like a really, really cool way to encapsulate like what, what a boogle is because i'm quite passionate that like a pfp needs to be like it can't be too spooky like it needs to have like some sort of element of like cute or good art or just like people want to be represented by it like Mm -hmm. no one wants to be like a super spooky grim reaper but people might want to be a dead god you know what i mean yeah word (laughs) yeah it's like um it's a different uh like concept and we've seen people who go too far into the spooky side with like um you know wicked craniums on eth got kind of stuck in that skull narrative and then like um those grim reapers on soul or whatever they're called that launched on solana ages ago like if you go too kind of scary then it's like uh, you know people people don't want to be represented by it like they don't want their online persona being like you know full metal uh like intense stuff so um and not the (laughs) <laughs> and not that you can do that too easily with pixel art you know we we're never going to do that but i wanted to combine like a cool mysterious law which um like the Bogle man is like uh and this is just me looking it up like i don't have a particular background in in this kind of law um but the Bogle man is kind of like the boogeyman of like scottish law and then it like kind of combines that with the the cheeky charm of casper Go casper is like that was pretty much the concept that i had in my head it's like cool you know these Bogle's are they're interesting they have like a cool kind of um background and law wise but they're also you know they're here to they're here to like engage and you know people should be wanting to be represented by them rather than being like specifically a boogeyman you know what I mean
1: yeah word okay so so the word so it's pronounced bogle I'm guessing
2: I um, mean that that's how I pronounce it but <laughs>
1: yeah. okay cool cool so for like bogle because that's why I you know I was kind of like looking it up so is Bogle, is that like the origin? is that where the boogeyman comes from? Like, does it come from like, you know, I don't know. I don't know if it's Scotland. I don't know where I guess that comes from, but I was reading some shit. It's basically like the Bogle man was like this, uh, this thing that would hide like in uh, like the potato fields and like, you <laughs> know, snatch people up or something like that. I'm pretty sure I, uh... it comes from
3: under your bed, dude.
1: <laughs> yeah, well that's why I'm wondering, it's kinda of like, yo, is is that the originate like the original like where the boogeyman as I know the boogeyman, you know, as a fucking little kid, you know what I mean? Like, you know, scared to, you know, have my leg hanging over the side of the bed. You know, like that's what I think of the boogeyman, but that's what I was wondering, like, is does the term boogeyman originate from Bogle, I guess? Like, is that where Sounds like this it. whole story comes from? Well, I don't think yeah, they invented mean, the know. boogeyman. <laughs>
2: I'm uh I'm a little off book here so I I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to pretend that I I know what I'm talking about about the the full lore of the boogeyman but Oh think, okay all
1: right all right it's all good.
2: <laughs> I think there's uh I think there's like a a few different origins from a few different countries and like in that particular story that's like how they kind of got their boogeyman but I don't know where the the kind of current uh narrative came from.
0: I didn't know, know that that was part of the name origination for for boogle though that's cool.
3: Back in the day, my aunt used to tell me that um the boogeyman would turn little kids into chocolate chip cookies and that little black kids <laughs> like me were the chocolate chips. And she would scare the <laughs> shit out of me. <laughs> and the white kids were the cookie. I don't know, man. I don't I don't know. There wasn't a lot of logic to it.
0: That's hilarious. Damn, what what were we talking about before that? Because uh, I I was I gonna a, say I had a question going and then now I'm like I'm I'm uh my head is wrapped around this boogeyman thing. <laughs> yeah, I
1: know. See, and my head's wrapped around this boogie band too, because I'm thinking like, okay, so here we are. We got, we got George in the house, right? We got the, you know, co-founder, the multiple hat wearing uh gentleman over <laughs> here. And, you know, that's what I was thinking. Like, yo man, like you, you know, as the co-founder, you chose to, you know, say like, okay, like let's use, you know, kind of something scary mixed with something that's like, not as scary but still you know it still has something to do with like specters ghosts right with like you know like boo casper the ghost and things like that so you know my other question that i do have is what what's your favorite scary movie
2: interesting i um my favorite scary movie i mean probably like the og kind of freddy krueger nightmare on uh nightmare on elm street i think is like one that i kind of actually have seen a couple times i think like is it Johnny Depp's in the, the first or the second one? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. the old Wes Craven originals, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I like those. Um, the new ones are actually too scary. <laughs> <Like> <laughs> <I> think, really? <laughs> well, not like too scary, but, you know, the new ones are pretty good at like um, intentionally fucking you up from a psychological point of view. The old ones are just like, you know, we'll put a bunch of scary stuff in and, you know, see how, see what comes out. The new ones are like proper uh, proper spooky.
0: Yeah, they've yeah. done their own research now to make scary movies scary as fuck. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: Word. Yeah, I was gonna say, I you know I like uh well I feel like I did like uh some of the, um, there you know I, I feel like it's kind of played out now, but like a lot of like the possession
2: uh, yeah scary movies because there's a I million of them. Mm.
1: I I mean there's... I you the know conjuring and like, shit. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. I mean, like, let's say the first Conjuring. Uh, there was a there's probably a million of them, but I'll tell you what, like out of the let's say possession movies that i've seen the top two and you know you guys can look these up uh the best ones are um for one okay we'll honorable mention to the original you know exorcist or whatever but um there is uh yo speaking of the exorcist and as a side note bro but i actually (laughs) know a nun bro and her uh it's her uncle was a um he was a priest who actually did an exorcism um, for the Catholic church. And uh, she's a, she's a nun. And she, but she told me, she was like, yeah, like she just told me this was, this was like maybe like five years ago, but she was like, yeah. And they, uh, I heard that, you know, using some of the documents and stuff from the, um, from the exorcism, you know, they actually uh, made a movie and I was like, yo sister, you ever heard about the exorcist? She was like, nah, like, but anyway, side note but uh yo my two favorite movies I like i could talk about this shit forever but uh my two favorite movies out of all the possession movies are one the exorcism of emily rose have yeah. you guys ever seen that yeah yeah that's yeah, one of like the scary. og ones yeah yeah for sure and the second one is another one it's called uh deliver us from evil yeah. and it's got um guy i think his name is eric banna i think is his name and he plays a detective he's a cop and um yeah super fire fire possession movies but besides that i feel like a lot of the like just say possession like you know oh get possessed uh you know haunted house get possessed stuff I feel it's kind of played out you know what i mean like, well
0: yeah like insidious kind of did it and the conjuring and then that became like the meta of fucking horror movies for a little bit I oh yeah feel
1: like
3: yeah for sure guys scared me back in the day yeah yeah poltergeist scared me back in the day and then the movie that fucked me up the most. And I mean, this is like pretty much the age where I was the grudge. That stopped being stopped being afraid. That one was scary, but very similar to that. Um, I think the, it was called The Ring. That's yeah, the shit out of plastic. me. I was between like 10 and 13 yeah, or whatever. Yeah. when That, that scared stopped. the shit
0: out of me. And then, well, The Grudge wow. is like not not like a direct sequel, but like related to The Ring. And bro, that's like the scene in the shower. I was like young ish. I was scared to take a shower for like four days until i smelled like absolute dog shit and i was like all right just gotta bite the bullet and do it
1: <laughs> i can't remember if it was at the ring or if it was the grudge but the girl walking backwards that's like, the ring like no way yeah it was out of the
3: tv it's
2: right i don't know if she's walking it's out both
3: of the t- they're both like a girl with like long hair covering their face mm. right yeah like a little girl yeah, yeah.
2: oh yeah. that fucking uh that mirrors movie fucked me up for a while as well i hated that oh yeah i forgot about that, that. yep mm-hmm. it's, it's like it's, a uh, movie. it's got um terrifying Keith Sutherland or something in it
0: oh I don't know if I've seen that one. Interesting.
1: That one's it's recent. It's recent as like recent as sometime in the last ten years. I don't. I
0: like uh like zombie movies. I feel like I'm not a huge was, scary uh, movie I was guy. Like I don't. I don't this. like to stress myself out for no fucking reason. But uh, yeah. like <laughs> Dawn of the Dead is like one of my all time favorite scary
3: movies. It's, like those. It's, are it's a good. really good movie.
1: Yeah. Bro, Dawn of the Dead is probably the best zombie movie ever. Facts. Like, it, it, I mean, I like in not in the sense of just fucking scary. It's just a, it's a fucking good ass fucking movie, bro. Like that shit's like Yeah. It it it's it's fucking awesome, That's bro. My it's got like top the drama. Scaries, it's yeah. Well, yeah, I was going to say as for like top scary movies, like yeah. uh, you know, I probably I probably have to think about it cuz I've seen like fucking like
3: hundreds I've- I watched The Shining more recently, like as an adult, and I thought that oh, was Shining pretty scary. scary. Like yeah. that held up pretty well, yeah. Yeah. The word, word.
0: Yeah, Stephen King always master of fucking horror. Um, all right, I got I got a couple more questions about uh, like crypto stuff, unless we're.
1: Oh yeah, my bad.
0: My bad. Yeah, I just <laughs> um, a side note, bro. <laughs> <laughs> fucking nerd. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, uh, I, I want to talk a little bit. I mentioned it before we start recording, but I want to talk about uh, like OK Bears a little bit and just kind of like the current state of Solana. So I want to hear your opinion, George, on what you think the current state of Solana is and what critiques you maybe have on where we're at and what you think we can do to improve in the future.
2: It's a big question. Um, OK, I got to watch my words a little bit here. I, uh, I think that the state of Solana is, it's interesting. Um, it's at a point where we have, like, I'll, I'll use the kind of double-edged sword um, metaphor again. It, the scalability and the, um, you know, zero barrier to entry that comes with having no gas fees and incredibly easy onboarding uh, is, a you know, it's a tricky one because it allows people who are extremely ready to sell. And it allows people to sell with almost zero friction. Um, Mm -hmm. Friction from like a UX point of view is, you know, that's pretty much everything. Like if there is zero friction to do something, then users are pretty uh, quick to do it. So I think we are in a state where we're just trying to figure out where, what the market values most. um, And it's very quick to, to value or devalue certain things. And we've seen that over time with um, mini cycles that go from, you know, there was the 101, like the the 101, 100 pieces of X that was kind of off the back of Google that boomed for a little while. And then there was the um, the token one with the dragons and the um, and the is killing it. And obviously the gods as well. Um, mm-hmm. And then there was like, now there's the new, new art matter and the new, um, like all branding yada 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 and like the ETH people are coming all throughout the the whole journey has been the the dream narrative that everyone keeps singing to um so i think we're just like in a in a maturing market that doesn't really know what it values yet and i think there's been things that uh there it's all signs of you know a small market like when we deal with Um, lower cap coins, you look at more reflexivity, like they can be overvalued extremely quickly, and then undervalued extremely quickly. And it kind of reverberates over time until um, maybe they're at more fair value. And I think that Solana is doing that with these different metas that come up where they shoot for the sky, and they just go way too valuable, and then they come back that are way Mm -hmm. too cheap. And that, that allows market participants to Have a genuine edge because there's people who um, don't really yet understand how to value these things, and like no one really knows how to value these things. A new asset, it's a new asset class. Yep. But I think we're just going through the the growing pains of maturing as an ecosystem. Um, You know, in any ecosystem where you've got OG collectors um, who are five six months into the space, like it's a that's still got a long way to go. and I think we're getting there. Like I think it's it's a matter of will Solana reflect the ecosystem on ETH um, or will it be a throughput specific chain where we value um, high volume transactions, um, you know, native tokens, uh, like metaverse, gaming, like will mm-hmm. we have that be the main narrative of um, of Solana where that throughput is important to people and we have that kind of, vc lack investment thesis is where we need these deliverables and, you know, hard uh, roadmaps for people to tick off? Or will we have the more branding community focus that we see on many of the top projects on ETH and not as much focus on the deliverables? Like, I think we're just kind of going to reverberate and go through different waves until we figure that out. Um, so we're just kind of like, just like the crypto market at the moment, we're just ranging. <laughs> we're just... I think people are just figuring out what um, what really matters and what we place value to, uh, and it's exciting. You know, there's a lot of opportunities that that come with this part of of any cycle. Um, it's exciting. It's frustrating. It's stressful. It's really fun. Like it's it's just a whole heap of things um, thrown in one. So I think like anyone who is feeling uh, uncomfy or frustrated with the the path so far, I think you've just got to put survival mode on and just make sure you don't burn your bag Mm -hmm. and you kind of take learnings from each thing. Um, but yeah, we're in a, we're in an interesting state and I think it's all to be expected with a growing ecosystem. Um, and we've just got to see where the market kind of places its value because you know, the market's never wrong, which is something that I hold very kind of key to, to everything I do.
0: Facts. Yep. Uh, I have a question from DJen Swings actually that kind of leans itself towards what you just said. So uh he wanna know what you saw as the main differentiators between Soul and ETH NFTs on the team side as far as like execution goes. Uh like you mentioned, uh, ETH is a lot more kind of brand focused. Soul, because of the uh technological capabilities of the chain, there's a lot more like roadmap and execution focus. And then as well on the uh community side, like the expectations that you know we have in Soul versus somebody who maybe spends most of their time in Eve.
2: Yeah, I think the the two um, parts of that question are pretty related because the team side actually kind of reflects what the expectations are from the market. As it um, should, and probably. I think, yeah, absolutely. And I think we've seen um, we've seen a lot of projects go wrong with overpromising what they they can actually deliver. Um, and I think that's off the back of the the core expectations, like, you know, as a team looking to mint something, it's kind of treated as a raise for your company. Um, and people want to make sure that that raise is complete. And I think that where a lot of people go wrong is they go, okay, you know, no one's going to buy our stuff unless we are delivering on a daily basis. We've got, you know, metaverse, P2E, like all of these, you know, buzzwords, um, and I think the the core difference is teams on ETH don't have necessarily that same expectation. Like we've seen with the the bears to to drop their name is like, you know, they minted, was it a week ago? Is it less? I don't, I don't even know, but it's less than a week ago. Um, and there's already a, a lot of expectations on them actually putting through deliverables um, outside of the number going, you know, outside of them being ADX from 50x from mint in a week and mm-hmm. having insane volume um those in my opinion are deliverables because that's something that a lot of other people can't deliver but i think a lot of the ecosystem expects more like i i think there's just a, a higher expectation and it it kind of um it's a good and a bad thing because it makes teams more accountable and it and it has more of the like deadline focus like as if investors in the mint is kinda of like a VC making sure that the boxes are ticked. But it also comes with teams having to rush execution um and maybe release things before that they before they're ready or prematurely or, you know, do all of these things at a pace where is suboptimal because they want to keep up with market expectations. Whereas on ETH it's very much a I think here is probably my high level comparison. On on ETH it's um, under promise over deliver and on soul it's over promise try and deliver um and i think that comes from the expectations from the market participants
1: that's a
0: bar yeah fair <laughs> enough uh you are early-ish adopter assumingly because i don't know you've found soul in like the 12s and 20s you said Do you have another early-ish adopter
2: call for us <laughs> um I don't know how I can answer this without it being financial advice. <laughs>
0: this is not financial no, just, advice. Yeah, just
1: be like NFA. There you go.
0: Sorry, <laughs> it's not NF- call maybe isn't the right word, <laughs> prediction, uh something you dream about, I don't know.
2: Theory. <laughs> I um I think that at the moment it seems like L1s are um going to keep on printing, so I think that if we get a uh, very large or if we get like a larger liquidation cascade or you know 30k that everyone wants or like any of those big drops um, I am personally going to be loading up on Sol and Nier and probably Luna um, and just kind of those old L1s and I think that they probably outperform on a bounce but they also get wrecked if we go into a lengthy bear market so don't buy them if you don't want that
3: <laughs> so I'm, I'm not a trader at all i just kind of buy stuff and hold it and maybe don't make money but everybody wants us to wait go to you 30K just said Bitcoin. you went
0: full-time into nfts are you gonna be all right
3: <laughs> um i think yeah wag me Stephen. Right? <laughs> <Stephen>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah so we want a 30k uh what's the deal with that why
2: do we want that Oh yeah, I mean I probably said that wrong. <laughs> I uh most people don't want 30k because that is, you know, really violent and vicious for a lot of altcoins. Um but you know the the dream bid for I think a lot of traders is looking at that previous support that um was tested in like the May bottom of like twenty nine K around aroundabouts there. Um and there seems to be a lot of kind of bid demand, but you know, it, it's crypto and things can go a lot lower than what people think they can. So I uh, I wouldn't necessarily be as confident. I certainly wouldn't touch leverage anywhere near that incredibly volatile point should it reach there. But I think that's like a, a lot of people... Um, it's kind of like the same with NFT. Like, you know, it's that, that 50 IQ, 100 IQ and 200 IQ meme is, is very accurate in like anything we do in crypto. And like the 100 IQ thing, for, in my opinion, is that you know, you draw a horizontal line between the May bottom and now, and then you bid there and then it goes up instantly. (laughs) Um, And I think that's like what a lot of people are looking for who are maybe positioned for that. Um, But yeah, at the moment you you just better to sit on your hands because it's just, we're going to range for infinity until the market decides where where we're going.
0: Cool. I got a little bag in the air, so that's good news for me. A little bag of soul too, obviously. I, I, (laughs) I, when I first found near copy traded you for a bit, cause you were like number one on the, uh, uh, Paris marketplace <laughs> top traders or something. <laughs> I think a lot yeah. of the NFTs we bought in the early, uh, near days. And when I say early near days, I mean like two months ago, uh, have gone close to zero now, but fun stuff. Always. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh,
2: I, I thought I'd, I'd have a big brain approach where I just put like 10 or 15 K into whatever the top three were and then never look again. <laughs> um, um and that I, was I everyone's. never looking
0: again. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was everyone's approach at the time. We we were just early and we were going to crush and but yeah. It is what it is. It happens. Um who are some of your favorite one-of-one one artists on Solana and why do you recommend if you recommend Soul uh, as the chain for one-of-one one artists versus other chains? What's the benefit there?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a big question answering my favorites um i think like sleeper is probably my favorite um from an art like just a pure art point of view i think um celestial body is also up there Mm -hmm. as one of my favorites um rupture has some really really nice work um oh god there's there's a lot that i i don't want to i won't go past three because it'll okay i'll start i'll start saying things wrong but yeah there's a whole heap of you know all the URS artists. Like there's there's some really 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 nice work on Soul. Obviously John Lee and everything like that. Um, and I think like the reason that artists can should use Soul at least to get started is that a lot of these people um, have never really monetized their work in a digital way. Like they've been trying to go through the traditional art rails, and um, it's pretty pretty tricky to figure out. You know where that. Um, yeah, it's hard to navigate selling and monetizing your work in the traditional mm-hmm. space because it's incredibly competitive. It's in the logistics, in shipping, physical pieces, and um, getting your name out there is, is an absolute nightmare. Um, and there are still a fair few rails to go with on ETH. Like you don't have, you basically want to reduce the friction to zero if you're going to try something new. And on Sol, there is as close to zero barrier to entry as possible. So that's kind of what you want to do with, Um, With getting anyone to try something new, you want to position it in a way that it's as easy as possible. And the friction of having to load up an account and get a MetaMask and try and put ETH on there, um, and then also pay the fee for the OpenSea initial, um, like the initial kind of fee that you need to set up the OpenSea account, and then the gas fees to mint your first piece, like that's enough friction for it to be annoying and then the other thing is on soul you can sell your piece for like 40 bucks and make 40 bucks on eth you know you you, it's really not worth purchasing something for for that kind of micro transaction because um the gas will be you know equal to the transaction and people just aren't as as willing to put their money into that so i think like if you're wanting to start somewhere you want as little friction as possible and you also want to be somewhere where you can really start from the ground and work up and you can you Know a lot of these people probably they can. There's people who have been selling posters for 20 bucks or um printouts or vinyls or whatever they, they have been selling previously for under a hundred dollars. So, why not do that on chain and then over time, hopefully, you can build it and, and take advantage of like the reflexive mm-hmm. nature of NFTs?
0: Word. Um, while we're on the subject of favorites, who are your favorite boogles?
2: <laughs> Man um i'm gonna talk about artwork because i'm not gonna i'm not gonna talk about people Uh, (laughs) i think the last boogle was one of my favorites with like the starry night the starry night artwork um yeah it's funny every time i every time like someone like a boogle changes hands or like someone buys one i always like welcome in the discord and go oh it's one of my favorites like it (laughs) it really is um it's really hard because like they've all had such a like obviously massive impact on on my life they all are like represent different stories struggles um and success in the last six months so it's like it's really hard for me to dissect which is a favorite or even which is like you know marginally better than others they all represent something like really core to the journey um see i don't have favorites but i mean i don't have favorites but i also like you know i have a hundred (laughs) favorites
0: just tell us who's the funniest (laughs)
2: um i mean probably rain he's pretty fucking funny
0: word i tried getting him on but he said he was too shy I that, guy's, like he that guy is that guy is pretty
3: fucking funny he's great <laughs> he
2: is he is great <laughs> yeah, I, I was just like looking
3: running. at the at the um some of the boogles and i don't know why i really like 89 with the the red background there I don't, you know who holds that one
2: uh the red background not- red background
3: gold chain
2: oh yeah yeah so that was owned by adam ape who was the founder of voxels and yeah. now it's owned by a guy called uh copers
0: okay that's right yeah that's a good one george what do you oh, get man. into outside of nfts and shit
2: yeah so i'm a pretty like active guy um i try and do i try and do like a lot of running um i try and like like if i'm near a beach i'll try and surf i grew up like in australia if you can if you can tell by the accent oh, um yeah. i think it, every australian kind of lives within you know 100 k's of the beach so uh, and a lot of the time, it's a lot closer. So I kind of grew up a um, a pretty surf orientated, beach orientated kid. So as at any opportunity I can get to get in the water and get a board under my arms, I'll, I'll try and do that. Um, conversely, if it's if it's snowing, I've um, spent a lot of time snowboarding. So big fan of that side. And then just so people don't think I'm uh, you know completely sports orientated, I actually spend a lot of my time playing chess at the moment. So oh, wow. um, that yeah we're, we're kind of doing a little bit of um not traveling but like you know living and working overseas mm-hmm. and uh when I don't have video games I kind of need to replace that competitive edge so I'm not really like uh because I used to play a lot of kind of local sports of futsal or whatever and then um video games but without those two things to compete in my life um I uh I have to I have to replace it with chess which isn't quite the you know mma futsal video game victories it's it's yeah. uh it's it's pretty pathetic but um it replaces it nonetheless and keeps my brain moving so yeah i kind of uh, that's how i spend my time at the moment
0: are you a call of duty guy you're trying to 1v1 frank
2: <laughs> i think i'm more of a mortal Kombat guy myself Oh, okay. um if anyone wants to to have a crack at mortal Kombat 11 i reckon they would um, they'd be pretty yeah nice see successful. i
1: see i tried playing mortal Kombat, bro like because i used to go to the arcade and i used to like you remember like the like at the arcade like how it had like the joysticks and shit you know what i mean mm-hmm. and the fucking yep. buttons you spam and people are waiting in line and shit mm-hmm. so um yeah bro uh then i fucking you know mortal kombat had came out and i was like oh shit about to fucking you know slap these people the way i was doing it at the arcade <laughs> but i don't know man i don't know if it's my age my dexterity but man i was getting the combos my... got too
0: confusing
1: um well i just you know to do these type of things i don't know if it's just the game mechanics bro but you know one of my friends he he bought i don't know what they're called but uh because you know i play on xbox but one of my friends he got that thing it's like a fucking board and it's just game like power. it is at the arcade yeah is that what it's called and it's got yeah. the joystick on like it fight yeah he's a fuck yeah yeah he's a fucking monster bro monster of fucking uh mortal Kombat. but i was like man like i don't i, I feel like you know me i'm like a fucking one trick pony type of guy bro like it's like you know I don't want to fucking, like, jump on that fucking game pad and, you know what I mean, like, slap people in Mortal Kombat, but then I, when it's time to fucking get on Call of Duty with my friends, then I'm getting fucking wrecked, and they're just like, yeah, bro, uh, yeah, you should, yeah, don't you have something to do, you know what I mean, and they're trying to swap me out, you know what I mean? So, do you go
0: mic on uh, when you play Call of Duty chapter?
1: Oh, bro, of course. Hell yeah. Of course. I can imagine you know, it's that, crazy. Dude. Yeah, it's crazy, bro. There's, like, fucking, there was, like, some videos out there, like, you know, I remember one time, bro, uh, it wasn't much one of my proudest moments, but you know, I was freestyling bro at like four in the morning and uh, d- during a search and destroy match, you know, I was playing, uh, I can't remember what call of duty it was, but yeah, I didn't know bro. Like, uh, but I was playing, uh, it was like a couple months later uh, and I'm getting all these friend requests because that was back in like, I think it was the old Xbox because it used to actually notify you because it doesn't really now you just get followers or some shit. But anyway, uh, and people were adding me, they're like, yo man, you're a fucking legend and all sort of shit. And I'm just like, yo, man, like, you know, what are you talking about? They're like, yeah, man, the video. I'm like, what video are you talking about? Oh, yeah, no cha- way. You chapter. Yeah, they're like, your chapter books, bro. There's fucking video. I was like, <laughs> what are you talking about? And then he sent me the link, and I was like, oh, shit. And the dude, his name, uh, I, he deleted it, but uh, Ugh, his name's, he, the, he's this, he was a Call of Duty streamer. His name's Dysfunction. And, uh, yeah, he fucking recorded like all the parts. Like he would like, he would literally die just to hear me like <laughs> it, you know, like in the fucking, you know, uh, like the little chat, yeah. like talking shit. Cause I was talking shit to all his friends, everybody. You gotta see if you but, can oh, find
0: yeah. that and we'll post it on the D Godcast Twitter somehow.
1: Oh my God. But you know, like, that's like, I don't know. I feel like that's probably like for me, like, that's why I don't really say like too like i'm not really like on twitter like saying a lot and shit because i feel like you know for like salon and shit it's like yeah like i feel like the whole like yeah like we all want to like rise up as an ecosystem let's be friends a little too buddy buddy but yeah bro like it's kind of like yeah but you know where's the smoke where's the competition can't we you know what i mean (laughs) like it's kind of like i feel i understand it but it's kind of like that's why i'm just like i'd rather be no comment than be the problem know, with Mr. Twitter Edgar. and the problem <laughs> with like
0: anonymity and Web3 is people don't know when you're fucking around. I do, yeah, true, I do my true. best to uh make sure that everybody who follows me on Twitter, I, everyone that I interact with kind of knows that my persona is almost everything that comes out of my mouth is like fucking around. Like I don't take myself too seriously. I don't think anyone should take themselves too seriously. But I agree, bro. Like I, like you got to be able to talk shit and have fun. And like for me, like I talk shit. The most to the people that like i care about and i'm friends with and shit and i feel like it just but, would help us grow and just be like less sensitive and more like adult and grown up as a fucking ecosystem if we could all just rag on each other on twitter all the
3: time yo once jb starts talking shit like, i also it's don't only stop. like an hour it's only like an hour or two before you see frank post something like let's not be fucking assholes that's
0: a dead ass no, bro none of those have come from me dude that those
3: Dude, do not line I, know at up. Least, I know at least one has. those
0: do not line up
1: <laughs> but you know like i think like another i guess another aspect i guess i'll, I'll say this i guess i recalibrate this so uh for twitter you know it's kind of like it's it's just you know people talking right people talking people posting like whatever like you know but i feel like when it comes down to like let's say like on xbox or in online games it's like not only are we talking but we're actually you know like doing things it's kind of like bro like right you know run this 1v1 like, like i can eating, teabag you know oh yeah exactly and it's kind of like you know i can slap your body but also you know what i mean like if you know you have a problem like you know we're talking about things that we can actually act on versus like you know just we're just you know talking to talk right and that's what that's why for me like yeah bro I'll be playing Xbox like fuck yeah bro put me in fucking Call of Duty bro fucking Warzone and you know I wish you know we'd be playing because uh, you know we got the chess channel in the DAO now and it's kind of like oh, bro really? I wish we had like the audio chat bro like to talk shit like yeah. during you know like chess that'd be fucking that'd be fucking sick yeah. but anyway uh, I'm all I'm all for like you know the competitive shit talking you know I think like, it should be a part of everything aggro, dude I hate when or whatever when.
0: They call the penalties now and like the NFL and shit because dudes are talking shit after they score a
1: touchdown. It's like what? Yeah, lame. It's off, but you know, I guess uh, you know, it is what it is. Um, but
0: yeah, I yeah, I love that. I uh, I don't do much like online gaming anymore. I feel like I kind of fell off a bit at one point in my life, and then you just can't really keep up with these kids these days. Uh, like I oh, I, yeah. I tried Warzone and, and Fortnite and shit, cool. and I just got absolutely murdered. So, but I do like we have, we'll have people over and we'll play like. You know, super smash bros or like fucking mario kart and your boy talks the most shit out of anybody we already knew that
1: um get yeah, word word
0: i got a couple uh questions from twitter George. unless slate chapter you guys got anything else
1: oh, no 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 we're good bro oh, cool uh
0: the first one is from saint angelical and it says what is your favorite bell underscore soul outfit i'm assuming that's like your girlfriend or something
2: <laughs> yeah i think that'd be a, an interesting conversation if that was uh not my girlfriend <laughs> um my my favorite outfit of bells geez um i don't know she wears a lot of a lot of nice like kind of zimmerman stuff um and she's got so, some cool like floral uh dresses which are super cute she's um, zimmerman? yeah yeah it's a it's a brand okay good stuff
0: cute sundresses <laughs> got it my wife wears a dress every day of her life so i feel that uh yep. and then the second one uh is from Jet Pippo and it's a two piece the first question is what is your favorite community and i'm going to preface that by saying outside of google
2: <laughs> good um my favorite community i i uh i've recently rediscovered the Aussie DAO which has been uh, nostalgic to get back nice. part of um it's been pretty fun to to hang out with them and um just like kind of I don't even really like post much in there I just kind of like lurk a little bit um but then I'm in a I'm in a couple like it's hard to do like community probably implies like a lot of people so maybe like mind folk the the mind folk mm. discord's pretty pretty cool to chill in um and then I'm in a couple like uh more eth-based group chats like butterfly dow and um, I've got like a little group chat with some people that I have kind of been talking to since like may um or like april even of, of last year and i've watched them all outperform me on board apes so um as much <laughs> as i despise them for that it's uh it's fun to hang out in there
0: nice when's the last time you did a shooey
2: um oh uh it's probably been a while actually and the last time i did it i probably didn't It probably can't remember it so <laughs> um i don't know probably in my late teens i would say oh man okay oh jeez <laughs>
0: i'm trying to i'm trying to bring well first of all not a lot of people knew what shoeies were outside of you you aussies obviously but i'm trying to just like
2: yeah
0: i'm trying to make that the norm on twitter like like i want everyone to just be (laughs) fucking doing shoeies because they're hype for for no apparent reason so maybe (laughs) maybe you know with your help uh aussie nft guys help we can kind of you know make shoes a a little more popular yeah man just get like uh you know some fucking fun shit on the timeline like who doesn't want to see a guy chug a beer out of a shoe it's electric
2: it is uh it's a it's funny how australia is like slowly got more like i think um i watched a lot of ufc so i'm not sure if you've seen it from Tide we with his uh um, with his shoe beer yeah yeah, yeah. I, it's funny how um yeah he just like knocks some dude out and then immediately demands like eight beers before he gets finished with his walk-off um yeah, it's pretty funny. I uh, I wouldn't recommend it from a uh, throat health point of view. I think last time I did it, I I got like tonsillitis the next day or something. So I think that probably put me out of my shuri game for a while. Oh, but wow. um, yeah, it's uh, not something I, I've done for a long time.
0: I'm over here telling people it's good for your immune system. So <laughs> hey, but none of us are doctors. Just like none of us uh, give financial advice. So <laughs> <laughs> um, this the second part of that jet pippo uh question was how big are your calves are you big i guess you said you uh you know are very active you got some swole ass calves
2: <laughs> i mean i've got like runner's calves like they're they're not uh anything that like i don't think i've ever spent give me a, a fruit day in my-
0: give me a fruit i used to work <laughs> with a buddy who had like fucking mangoes for calves give me a fruit
2: um- <laughs> 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 Whoa. I mean, I mean, I'm trying to think of. Uh, I mean, they're not like defined enough to be, you know, a particular fruit. Like, do you want the girth of my leg, or are you looking at?
0: I'm just, I'm just looking at your calf.
2: <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if I can come up with a fruit, you know. Uh, uh, fine. But I would, I would say they're they're like um, in between a frequent walker and a regular cyclist. All
0: right, I'm looking at mine right now. I'm saying like. Uh... Like a, uh, I don't know, a half of a baked potato maybe. I guess that's not a fruit, but
1: <laughs> yeah, bro. I, I'm literally like fucking checking my calf girth right Keep now, bro. <laughs> I'll, get,
0: I'll get my boy to send uh, a picture of his calves and send it to the group chat so you can see what I'm talking about. He's got these fucking legit mangoes. So I don't know. Everybody, that's
3: send a... your calves to the group chat. Yeah.
0: Uh, ca- uh hashtag calves for d We'll retweet all your calves. <laughs> post them on twitter um all right george this has been fun man we appreciate you uh coming on always you know good to talk to people get a little bit of outside perspective from you know just d gods talk about other projects and solana in general so we really uh we appreciate your time man
2: yeah thanks for having me guys it's been uh it's been real fun for sure and uh
0: it's late chapter we out